Many people believe that perfection is the highest standard of performance. In reality, it's actually the lowest level that you could set for yourself. Let's talk about it. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Edgy Entrepreneur Podcast, where in season two, this is all about relationships. And we believe that if you really want to be an influential leader in your community, you must master the art of creating valuable relationships, both in your workplace, at home, and in your community. We are Pleased to be here to bring you this episode 13 on a very fun topic called perfectionism. Coach, tell us who you are. Yes, my name is Coach Oriana. I am a life and personal performance coach, a certified relationship coach, and a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, everybody. My name is Daniel Tribby. I am a healthcare entrepreneur, and I'm also a coach for those of you in the healthcare entrepreneur space. So fun topic today, and I'm, I'm, I know you're looking forward to talking about <laughs> so uh, this episode, as I previously mentioned, is all about perfection, all right, and your perfectionistic ways of being that are actually not serving you the way that you may believe they are, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So our premise today is the truth that perfection actually is a low standard of personal performance. And so if you're utilizing perfection as your personal performance standard, you're probably struggling in any number of different ways in your business or in your career um, and in your relationships and home life. And mm -hmm. so that's what we want to talk about today because um, it's actually a very common social perspective that perfectionism is a virtue and is a really good quality to have, especially um, within the context of employment and business, right? And right. so we want to dispel that myth today because it is not true and will help you understand why. But I do recall the days where, <laughs> you know, it would be like, I'm super detail-oriented and uh, perfectionist, yep. right? And th that for me was something that I felt um, was a good thing. And I had a little bit of pride in that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but that's because I didn't realize how it was affecting me in negative ways. So. Yeah, I think a lot of you may be thinking, how could being perfect ever be a low standard? And the reason it is, is because perfection is unattainable. Nothing is perfect. It never will be, never is, never can be, mm -hmm. you know? And so when you take a moment to realize that perfect is unattainable, you realize that it's a low standard yeah. because the amount of, of work that you have to put into quote unquote being perfect doesn't exist because perfect doesn't exist. Right, right. right? Which means that it's actually a um, less favorable thing to pursue even than failure, right? So like, hear me out. People don't fail on purpose necessarily, right? right? But in order to fail, failure implies that you had to have been in meaningful action at some point in time, right? right? So you took a chance, you took a risk, you tried it, right? You did it to the best of your abilities. Maybe you didn't hit the target that you had planned for yourself, but you took some meaningful consistent action. And one thing that persists when I talk to people who are struggling with this high achievement personality style combined with perfectionism is like persistent and consistent procrastination, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Which is like, you can't even fail if you're procrastinating, if you're just not doing the thing at all, right? So we're gonna get into that. Um, but that's really why we're trying to make this point, right? That perfection is a low standard. And um, if you're struggling with this, there's a reason for it. Um, we're gonna support you to be able to move through it or in the very least to recognize that you want, you might want even more support than what this podcast would offer in order to overcome this personal growth aspect. Yeah, perfectionistic people are usually high achieving people, right? They usually have have gotten somewhere big in life. They are They have performed well, they have the accolades and that kind of thing, um, which we're not knocking. What we are knocking is the methodology you're using to, to have those things and where it could be causing you to 
miss out on other areas of your life. You're missing other opportunities or uh -huh. you are torturing your children or your spouse, right? Or your other employees, right? And you're also potentially leaving yourself out of areas of your life that you might find enjoyment in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about opportunities to experience it. creativity. Right. So we're going to talk about all these things as they get grouped into perfectionistic types of traits, mm -hmm. and then also give you some key ways that you might start kind of getting away from that, like yeah. breaking that down, so that you can take little small steps. I know some of you are going to be like, "Oh my God, how can I not?" do it this way right because you're going to be so amped up about well that's not the perfect way to do it okay yeah. but we're going to give you little small steps little things that you can do tactically behavior wise you know emotionally that can help you start deconstructing this idea of perfect and ease some of the stress that you put on yourself yeah yeah and if you haven't already listened to episode 10 where we talk about how your need to be right could be damaging your relationships go back and listen to that after this episode because um, people who struggle with perfectionism uh, oftentimes also struggle with the need to be right, mm -hmm. right? So coach, there is a reason that the highest performing athletes and professionals in the world actually avoid perfection as a performance standard. It's true. Right? And in order to do that, or, or the reason that they do that is because they need to be able to stay in meaningful, consistent action. Yes. Right? So let's talk about how, like what perfectionism is, and then let's get into how perfectionism actually keeps you out of meaningful, consistent action. Yep, absolutely. Um, so first of all, perfect is a fixed mindset, okay? It is fixed. If we talk in the world of, of mindsets, one being fixed and one being growth, right? Growth mindset, people are not afraid to fail and then in the face of failure, continue to press on to achieve a goal, right? Fixed mindset people, it's always somebody else's fault they didn't achieve a goal, okay? So yeah. they, they stay right where they are in their little comfort area, right? And everything should be um, natural or easy for them in that realm for, their, for them to be successful, okay? Um, so this is a habitual fixed belief system that you're stuck in. Okay? Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. So I want people to really know like it's, this is, uh, a belief system, a limiting belief system, but it also infiltrates your habits, which means the way you do what you do, mm -hmm. when you do it, you're, it infiltrates every single aspect of that. So it's part of why perfectionist, perfectionism and the tendencies associated with it are so hard to break through, mm -hmm. right? Not just because your standards are so high that nobody else can meet them, but also you yourself like not meeting your own standards actually creates an incredible amount of emotional turmoil that we'll get into. But it leads you into an excessive focus on controlling people in situations when you right. are a perfectionist, right? Because mm -hmm. if I don't control these people or these situations or the environment that I'm in, it won't turn out to my standard, right? And so I want each of you to think about this, especially if you struggle with perfectionism, that idea of my standard is different for every single person it's struggling true. with perfectionism. It's true. Right? And, if, and if your standard is not up to my standard, then you are less than. And I want you guys to hear that. It's not that you folded the lawn, the way you fold the laundry is less than. Perfectionists have this control presence that makes you feel less than. Right. Yeah, I can't do anything right. Right. Can't get exactly. it right. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And this is this, believe it or not, comes from a fear basis. Yes. Okay? This is motivated by fear. Perfectionism is motivated by fear. If I don't do everything right, I'm gonna get laughed at. If I if I'm not perfect in every aspect of the game, like the coach said in the Titans, right? We're gonna get everybody's gonna laugh at you. Right. It's gonna be that thing. Okay, you're gonna be judged if you don't do everything a certain way. Or I'm not lovable. Right, I'm unworthy, right? So yeah. self-worth is an issue here. We're gonna talk about that. Self-worth and acceptance comes mm -hmm. big into play in this type of mindset. It is fear-based. And what we know about fear-based mindsets is that if you're coming from this place, it's unsustainable in the long run, okay? Yeah. And if you even apply this to things like money, right? If you're trying to save or make money from a fear-based mindset because you're afraid you're not gonna have any later, right? You're never gonna be able to hold on to money. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and your nervous system is consistently activated, activated. so you're not creative, you're not resourceful, um, and you're not in the place where you could generate 
uh, good ideas, mm-hmm. healthy ideas for yourself, right? So we talked right. about perfectionism being based in fear, right? It's the fear of not reaching that goal or the outcome mm-hmm. because not being perfect in and of itself is failure, right? So think about that. So even if I do get to that goal or outcome, but I didn't do it perfectly, it's still a failure in that person's mind, right? So it's it's not even so much whether or not I get there, it's whether I get there at these like almost insurmountable level of standards and mm-hmm. performance, right? right? Uh, that you're really placing on yourself for the most part, because in most workplaces and most organizations, right, um, unless the person you work for is a perfectionist, right, you're not actually being held up to the standard of perfect. That's something that you're doing to yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that's important to note too, because people who are in this fixed mindset oftentimes feel the pressure of perfectionism being placed on them as if it's coming from the external environment. And oftentimes it's not, it's coming from within yourself. Right. Like you're the one holding yourself up to those standards. You're mm-hmm. the one losing sleep over whether or not you're doing something up to a certain standard of, of perfection in your mind, right? You're the one who is um, maybe like controlling and pushing away relationships in your world because they're not meeting your standards. You're doing that to you. Yeah, and you're worried about that external world and how it views you, right? What will they say about me? What will they think about me if I don't execute in this way at this time in this fashion, right? You are concerned about those things. And what that does to you is it makes you hyper-focused on the end goal and it makes you unable to enjoy your process of what you're building and what you're creating along the way. Yeah. Right. Which is tough, especially if you're in these big projects that take long periods of time, right? You're constantly worried about how perfect is the end goal going to be and how is everybody going to view me when I get to the end goal that you have no enjoyment in the process, but yet you dote over the fact that somebody, you know, grants this word of your work was perfect, right? Mm -hmm. You, you need this extra doting at the end to make yourself feel accomplished and feel better, right? To, to continue to grant your perfectionistic ways more power. This is why perfectionism and that high achievement oriented uh, persona really go hand in hand actually really well is because that high achievement orientation is always, always keeps you like uh, chasing the carrot, chasing the goal, right. right? And so perfectionism aligns with that because it's also outcome-oriented, not process-oriented. So here's the thing. I can reach a lot of achievements if I sacrifice myself, abandon myself, don't take care of myself, burn myself out, right? So basically, like, I kill myself to get it done, but God damn, it got done and it was good, right? And I stayed up all fucking night, uh-huh. but who cares, right? And I want people to know that I did that. I want people yes. to know that I killed myself and I drugged myself through, yep. the, through the mud to get it done and it was perfect. And I want yeah. you to know that and I did it. And look what I did look for what, you. Yeah, right. Oh, <laughs> suck my ass, really? You know, I think it's important to understand like this is how you're coming across a lot of times. Here is what you probably don't realize about perfectionism if you're in this cycle of high achievement and perfectionism, right? You don't realize what you're giving up in the moment that you are going through the process and killing yourself, most of the time because you procrastinated until the last minute, mm-hmm. right? I, I'm a recovering perfectionist, I see you. So <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times you procrastinate to the last minute to get this thing done, you kill yourself to get it done, and then what happens, right? Like total fallout and burnout, maybe you even get sick at that point, right? Like you manifest a cold, a flu, is some kind of you know body aches and pains, whatever it is, because your body catches up to you at some point when you're finished. And then what? You have to withdraw from your life and relationships in order to recover, mm-hmm. right? So I promised you that I would go to lunch with you this weekend. As soon as I finish this project, oh, this weekend comes along. I killed myself to finish the project. Hey, I can't go to lunch. I'm sorry. I'm not feeling well. Mm-hmm. Hey, kids, we can't go to the park. We'll go next weekend. Hey, spouse, I'm, I really am too tired to have intimacy. We'll do it next time. Right? Mm-hmm. And you start pulling away from your life and relationships and people around you start to feel abandoned. Right. right? You got to be able to see this if you're ever going to be able to change it. 
Um, and then the other thing is like you have these incredible high levels of self-doubt and insecurity. Mm-hmm. What's yeah. that feel like? Yeah, it's miserable, right? Because you, you're constantly trying to fill gaps in yourself through your perfectionistic ways, mm-hmm. right? So you're doubting yourself. So because you doubt yourself, you have to push harder. And because you push harder, you're going to have more insecurity. And it's just this, <laughs> this vicious cycle that goes round and around and around, right? And it all leads back to one simple fact, and that's that you have a need for significance. Uh-huh. You have a need to a feel- A very high need you, that you're yeah. meeting in an unhealthy way. <laughs> right, you have to feel significant, Yeah. right? You want your, you even so, like you mentioned earlier, shutting down, like, oh, I'm so tired and we'll do it next time. We'll be intimate next time. Sorry, kids, sorry, friend, right? And the need for significance is so high that it's not just that you're canceling the event or you're not available for the event. It's, I want you to know exactly why I'm mm-hmm. not available to do this. It's because I worked myself into the ground to meet the deadline for this big project that went magically. But because I did that, I'm so tired and yeah. I just really need to rest. And I really need you to understand how I'm feeling and how much work I put in and the fact and that- have empathy that, for me. Right, mommy does a lot around here and, and I try to make sure everything is taken care of for you guys and I'm just overly tired, I need a minute, right? Like it's, it's that type of thing. I need significance and I need you to know by making you feel less than that I need significance from you. Well, imagine like I am so significant that now I can cancel on everybody around me and impact and change their lives and their plans because that's how significant I am. And make them feel sorry for me while doing it. Ooh. And make them feel sorry for me while doing it. Ouch, 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 right? I hope that if if, uh, you're listening and you felt that ouch, right? Um, you might be you might be seeing this play out either in your own life and relationships or you might know somebody who this is happening uh, with and, and you recognize that you're on the receiving end of that, right? Mm-hmm. And you have felt that ouch before as the receiver, right? Yep. Um, if you are that person, right? Like share this episode with them because this is a growth area um, that you can overcome. Like I said, like I... I was very much entrenched in perfectionism to the extent that I even believed like this was a good thing. This was a virtue. This was a reason for people to hire me. This was this is part of the reason I'm a good employee. This is part of the reason that I am, you know, good at my performance and my home is immaculate and this, that and the other. Right. Mm -hmm. And so are my bank accounts. And so are this and that. Guys, like that ain't it. Right. And if you are a person who's told yourself this one expression. I work better under pressure. Yeah. Then you might be somebody who is struggling with high achievement orientation and perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Right? Very true. So let's talk about that, right? Perfection as a performance standard and what that really looks like in your life yeah. and in your relationships, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, we've mentioned that perfection as a performance standard is, is a very low one. And here's why this is what happens. Um, we mentioned this this controlling behavior, right? So this controlling behavior actually makes you a micromanager, right? Who likes to be micromanaged? I hate (laughs) helicopter anything. Like if you're the boss, don't helicopter me. If you're the manager, don't helicopter me. If you're a parent, you better not helicopter me. Get the hell away from me, right? I even have neighbors that helicopter my own child in in the cul-de-sac. I'm like, can you get off of my son? Like this perfectionistic shit makes you a micromanager and it makes people not like it and not like you therefore so your your high standard that you're holding everybody else to people don't want your pressure right because at the end uh-huh. of the day they understand that you're micromanaging them not because you want them to do a good job for themselves it's because you want them to do a good job so you don't look bad it's that focus on yourself that hyper focus on yourself mm-hmm. In that, you know, it's often that person that's like, well, what will they, they, those people out there, what will they say about me? What will they think about me if I either am not perfect, don't meet the goal or outcome, or if I ask for help? Right. What are people going to say, think, or do? Right. Which is why mm. perfectionists often procrastinate so much because they take on so much and they're not willing to ask for help or support from other people because they think that it would make them look weak or less than. Yeah, but this is a self-worth question too, right? 
So I develop self-worth by being the person that has all the answers for you and not ever needing to ask for any answers from you. How relatable is that? Think about that also. Like how relatable is that in a relationship, right? I am the end all be all know all and you are just, you know, my my mirror followers right? Right. <laughs> who come to me for all answers to all questions. Like, right. oh my gosh, get off your high horse. But here's the thing though, like if we, we talk about this in a giving receiving type of way, mm-hmm. right? If you pass judgment on receiving something from somebody else, I don't need them, I don't need that, I don't need your help, I got this. If you're passing judgment on your reception or your ability to receive, you subconsciously or unknowingly also pass judgment on your ability to give. Oh yeah. Because if somebody needs something from me, I get an act of self-worth and they're less than. Mm-hmm. Oh so my gosh, that's such a great is, point. Yeah. This is your self-worth. It feeds your ego. Yeah, it feeds your self-worth and it feeds your desire and your perception of need to be accepted. Well, to be needed. Right. Yeah, to be needed. So a lot of times what I've seen is um, people who are operating in this scope, they actually, um, they project out this judgment. Like people should just know, people should just understand. They know what my standards are. They should know how to get this done, right? So they provide very little guidance, very little support and training. And then they constantly have their staff members like calling, emailing, asking for help, right? And then they're annoyed that these people continue to have to ask for help. Right. Right. But these their staff continuing to call and email and ask for help feeds their ego, feeds their need for significance, right? Makes them feel needed, important, wanted, all of that. And that's the secret payoff mm-hmm. for this mindset, right? So true. You know what else is the secret payoff? the psychological stress that comes along with all of that. (laughs) Yeah, because I can use that psychological stress as an excuse to not have to be present in relationships with people. Very true, Mm -hmm. very true. And how does this relate to um, a perfectionist environment, work environment, home environment? Yeah. Like actual physical environment. Physical environment, oh, it's the same type of micromanagement and control that you put on people around you. You have to put that same level of micromanagement and control on your environment and on your time, Mm -hmm. right? And so, and if you don't, you don't feel comfortable, right? right? Which means you're always chasing, like creating the perfect environment, sometimes not even at your own house, right? Like you go to somebody else's house and you feel so- Start cleaning up. Yeah, you feel so judgmental towards what their house looks like and feels like. You can't be comfortable in their house because they got dirty dishes. Next thing you know, you're- (laughs) You're cleaning up their kitchen, right? You know, or you without have, being asked. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you have, you know, your own environment, your own house. Everything has to be in its place. There can't be a speck or a crumb or anything, you know, out of place, dirty. None of that. And if somebody knocks on your door and it is, you're worried about what they're going to think about you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then the biggest thing here is nobody really gives a shit because most of the time our lives are in disarray. <laughs> like yeah. our house looks like a shitstorm because we have three kids and two dogs. Like, right, it's, it's, that is, you have to understand that there's empathy that comes from other people knowing that, hey, you're just like me. You struggle with the same things that I struggle with. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a perfectionist, you lack the empathy for those people and therefore they don't want to be around you because they don't feel like you understand. They feel like you're judging them. Well, you're highly critical most of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, People in this mindset, you're, you're highly critical of yourself Right, and I, I wanna reiterate, we've said this many times, right? Like what's inside of you shows up outside of you. Right. It's impossible for me to um, think or speak anything um, or take any action at all that's not already in alignment with what I value and what I believe, right? right? So your values and your belief system guide everything that you do and everything that you say mm-hmm. and everything that you think. So if that's the case, and I'm highly self-critical, right, which is su- supportive of my perfectionist behaviors and tendencies and beliefs, then I project that critical you know, nature out onto other people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't believe your house looks like this. I can't right. believe you're dressed like that. I can't believe you came out like that, right? right. Like, are you leaving, the, are you going out like that? Right, like that critical, um, uh, tendency eventually will some will will come out of your mouth right, right? 
And then people don't want to be around you because nobody likes to be criticized in a negative way, in a judgmental way. Right. You know, we're not we're not talking about constructive criticism here, mm-hmm. right? Because fundamental in that is a lack of self awareness and a lack of um, healthy communication, right? Right. And so, a person who's struggling with this isn't going to be like, "Hey, let me give you some constructive feedback about this, that, or the other," right? Mm-hmm. It comes out in a judgmental way because they're so judging on themselves. Right. I love that when it happens to me because I'm such an anarchist that I'll be like, actually, you know what? I'm not going like this and I'll go put something totally drastically (laughs) different. Put your PJs on. (laughs) I'm like, I will totally just like discuss them on purpose to be like, you know what? Your judgment doesn't bother me. You know, my I have a, a couple half brothers, and my older half brother, his mom is like this. Anytime, like we could be at a birthday party, and it's ninety five degrees outside in the state of Virginia, which means it's also probably one hundred percent humidity, and we're gonna grill out for my niece's birthday party, which means we're gonna smell like charcoal, we're gonna be sweating to death, and she's like, "Are you guys gonna go like that?" And we're like, "What do you want us to put on polos and khaki shorts to go stand over a charcoal grill?" Yeah, I'm going out like this in basketball shorts and a t-shirt. I don't give a shit about because I'm gonna stink and I don't want to mess up my nice clothes. <laughs> oh, I just can't believe you would go to the birthday party that way. Uh, shut up! <laughs> if you can't believe it and you don't like it, stay your ass right there on the couch. You ain't got to come. It just—it's you when you have this perfectionistic trait. I'm gonna tell you that story because <clears throat> it makes everybody else around you feel excuse me, uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. right? And most people don't want to be around that shit, Mm -hmm. right? Just because your desire to make everybody else look and feel the way you think is presentable or you think is respectable. Again, your your description or definition of a standard. Right, doesn't necessarily have to fit my definition of a standard. Yeah, And when you impart it on other people, the, the right person is going to push back on you on that. It feels they, controlling and micromanaging right. and mm-hmm. people are going to push back, hopefully, you know, unless they're your kids, you know, they might comply now and then rebel later, right? Mm-hmm. Or your spouse, right? They might comply just to, you know, get you to stop criticizing them, right? And yeah. and uh, so that you guys can move on with your day or with your event or whatever it is that you're trying to get done. But you know, I don't want to be in a relationship that's compliance based. Like that doesn't feel good. Yeah. That's not a person that I want to be vulnerable with and have intimacy with. Right. right. Like that's so off putting. Yeah. And this is the reason why these people typically have high levels of psychological stress. Correct. Right. Anxiety. Yeah. I think that's important to talk health about. Health concerns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They usually low self esteem people. Right. Yeah. As long as everybody's following in line, like good little, you know, soldiers. Soldiers. Mm-hmm. Right then you're fine. But as soon as somebody pushes back and says, well, I'm not doing it that way, you know, you, you start to wonder, well, well, why isn't it they don't think my way is the best? And the, what is it about me that they don't appreciate or they're not listening to or whatever? And so you start to have high levels of self-doubt, anxiety, you know, yeah. depression. There's There are tons of yeah. studies on this kind of stuff that show mm-hmm. perfectionism-based people suffer a lot with psychological stress. Yeah, yeah. Sleep dis- disturbances included um, eating disorders. That was a surprise to me. Right. Um, defensiveness, self-defeating thoughts and negative uh, feelings, negative self-talk, right? Right. Um, that's an important one. Hang on to that one because I'm going to talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just generally speaking, like these all or nothing standards, right? All or nothing standards for yourself mm-hmm. that you then project and impose on other people, right? Like right. either you do this completely all or nothing from A to Z, right? Because there's a right way and a wrong way to do things mm-hmm. when you are in the perfectionist mindset. So either you do this all the way and don't half-ass and, you know, uh, or don't do it at all. And when you put that on yourself, right, either I have to do it all the way through completion perfectly or I'm not going to do it at all. Mm -hmm. What do you think the default's going to be? Not do it at all. Yeah, not do it at all. Right, which equals the procrastination tendency that we tend to see very, very um, commonly in people with perfectionist standards, which is a form of self-sabotage. Right. And um, I think also like you, what you've done to yourself is limited your ability to experience life because a lot of these people won't ever try anything new, Yeah. right? Because they're afraid of sucking at it, right? Or I'm afraid people are not gonna think I'm, the people are gonna find out I'm not the greatest at everything. 
right? Or you have a, <clears throat> there's a lack of creativity in your life. There is, um, there, there's this idea that I, I, I don't want to do anything unless I can excel at it. And any, so everything else is pointless for me to even try. Yeah. Right. You hear how, like, how straight and narrow and boring your life is at that point. It's a very myopic view of life. Right. And you are, you are living not in a place of abundance at that point. You're living in a place of scarcity. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's another scarcity based mindset, fear based mindset. Right. As we mentioned earlier, and you're, you are limiting yourself and nobody else is doing it. You're doing it to you all because you're afraid of what somebody else might think or say about you. And mm -hmm. somebody might find out that you're not perfect. And you mentioned self-sabotage a second ago, right? So, you know, oh, I, I'm, I'm so overworked this week and then we finished this big project. So you guys go on and go to Top Golf. I'm going to skip it this time. When really the reason you're not going is because you suck at swinging a golf club. You don't want anybody to know that you're not perfect. You don't want to feel embarrassed by not doing it mm -hmm. well or right. perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. I would say also, you know, the excessive amount of time spent like uh, an energy, I should also say, because anytime there's time involved, there's also energy involved um, in managing your environment, keeping your your environment in perfect condition, right? Your environment could be where you live or where you work and you, right? And managing space, which is like, oh no, this doesn't go there, it goes here. This has to go here, right? Like everything has to be in this perfect order of this space all of the time and like, if you have a family or even if you just, you know, you could live with one other person, you know, and if you're going to be getting deeply uncomfortable every time you find something, you know, two millimeters off of where you put it when you left the house, you're you're really going to struggle living with other people or being in, in relationships with people or having kids that, you know, like you've you've got to get to this point where you understand, you know, not everything's going to be perfect all of the time, mm -hmm. you know. And here's the thing, though, when it, when things aren't perfect, what happens to this individual? Your nervous system gets activated. Right. Right. So this is why it matters. This is why we have to have this conversation, because those of you that are out there, you know, either who you'd have a perfectionist person in your life or um, and you think like, why can't they just, you know, be OK with things being messy? There's a reason they can't be okay with it, you know, and it's because their nervous system gets activated. They literally feel threatened by a disorganized environment, mm -hmm. right? Think about that. Yeah, they, absolutely. You know, um, and so that's why they have to manage space. That's why they have to place these standards on things and control, right? Yep. So you mentioned enormous amounts of energy and time spent, right, on not just their environment, but on, on every little thing that they do too, right? So what email could be done in three to four minutes now takes 20 because they overanalyze every little part of what they're going to say to make sure it's perfect right and then you spend essentially what we talk about is spending so much time getting ready to be ready to get 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 ready to be ready right but we're never really ready because we got to wait till we feel ready enough to get ready to be ready and then we'll feel ready enough to do the thing so this is a such a time waste right your perfectionistic ways are you're taking three hours to do something that could be done in three minutes yeah by the time you finish getting ready to be ready you know the reason that 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 the feeling of readiness isn't there is because you already exhausted yourself getting ready to be ready yep, <laughs> you know, it's, for it's crazy, you know, ungodly amounts of time. Right. How does this perfectionism affect you on a social level? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, there's a, there's like so many different ways, right? I want to mention this one first, because I think it has such a huge impact, especially a psychological impact in a negative way that I call death by comparison, mm -hmm. right? And social media has fueled this so much, right? Like they have a better car, they have a better house, they have a cuter uh, wife or husband, they, they're in better shape, they obviously are doing better in their business, right? And all of these comparisons that we put ourselves under the microscope with, right? Um, that's, if you're, if you're in this perfectionist mindset, you're probably engaging in death by comparison and leading yourself to some really negative emotions mm -hmm. over it. Or you might be on the other side of the spectrum, which is like you're comparing yourself to other people that you perceive to be doing less well than you are so that you can justify where you're at and um, 
you know, feel good about where you are, yeah. um, which also is very unhealthy, right? Mm -hmm. Well, at least I'm not doing that. At least I'm not there. You right. Know? <laughs> it's very judgmental and it's a terrible waste of time. Yep. And then you have um, difficulty being happy for others as well, right? So other people's success, you know, if, mm -hmm. if Coach Oriana hits a stride and she's running with it and doing great things and she's having a ton of success, then I wanna be happy for her, right? But in what happens in a professionistic mindset is that I'm now envious of her, mm. right? Well, how did she get there when she doesn't do as many of the things that I do? Like she doesn't, she doesn't do all the stuff that I do. She doesn't show up the way that I show up, but yet she's got all these things like, who is she, you know what I mean? So you end up with this comparative nature and it, allow, it, it doesn't allow you to be happy for other people's success. Right. So um, unrealistic standards on loved ones is another one socially that's a problem. Yeah. I would say also persistent complaints that people around you don't appreciate you. Mm. And part of that comes from the fact that as a perfectionist, you have such high standards for yourself in your relationships and in like doing things and the way you go about doing them and how frequently you go about doing them that then it's like, well, you don't appreciate for every, me for everything that I do for you, you know? And putting that on people around you not only creates this like t constant tension and heaviness, but you're telling yourself a story that's negative about your partner, your loved one, or your, you know, whomever it might be, your friend, simply because they're not reciprocating uh, appreciation at whatever level you think is commensurate with the meticulous way that you're going about doing things in a relationship for them, mm -hmm. most likely things they never asked you to do, mm -hmm. right? And so you're killing yourself to do all these things for other another person or other people. They never asked for that. And then you're pissed because they don't appreciate it under your definition yeah or they shut down right which is what i'll do in the face of this so if i'm in the middle yeah. of doing something a project or I'm, I'm trying to like teach my puppy something or or you know work with somebody else and then there's somebody saying well you should and you you ought to and you better and this you know you need to do it this way i'll stop in the middle of it and just be like you do it then you do it then mm -hmm. and they just look at me like well i'm just trying to help i'm like no you're not you're trying to get me to do something your way in up to your standard. And if you have an issue with the way I'm doing something, then we can talk about it afterwards. You can give me a suggestion. But when you interrupt me in the middle of doing something, telling me I'm doing it wrong or I need to do it this way, that's you being a perfectionist. And that's you wanting me to change my standard to make it your standard. And I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So I will stop and be like, well, here, you do it then. And then all of a sudden I'm the asshole, right? Yeah. Well, why did you act like that? I'm like, no, 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 no. We're not going to play that game. Apparently, I couldn't do it up to your standard, so I'm going to let you do it, okay? And then I don't have to appreciate it one way or another. Right, <laughs> right. So I want, I want to address something because I can just imagine what's going off in people's heads, right? Especially if you struggle with perfectionism. I see you because I've been there, right? Like right now you're thinking to yourself, so I can't help somebody? So I can't tell somebody like how to do something easier, faster, better than they are right now? That's what you're saying? Okay, no, <laughs> what we're saying is when you interrupt somebody to tell them that they're doing it wrong and that they need to do it your way, that's the issue. Mm -hmm. Parents, you're guilty, every single one of you, including myself. That's the issue, right? If you wanna pause somebody like, oh, hold on a second, like there's a safer way to do that, Right. Like when I was growing up and I wanted to learn how to cook and my, you know, I'm like trying to chop something like, you know, and my mom's like, OK, hold on. <laughs> that's not how you chop vegetables. Right. Like if you need to show somebody a safer way to do something, that's one way. Right. But like if you are in any way like critical, losing your mind, telling somebody that that's wrong, there's a right way. Right. Like when when it's not a safety issue, then what you need to be able to do is offer a suggestion and wait for them to respond on whether or not they want to hear it. I know that's so hard. <laughs> I know that's so hard. <laughs> May I offer you a suggestion on an easier way to do that? Sure. Okay. I'm, I will show you, right? May I offer you a suggestion on a better way to do that? Actually, no, I got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right? You need to back off at that moment, right? Do you see the difference between, no, stop. I know a better way to do that. You need to do it this way. And what I just suggested, big difference there, right? One of them is going to stick around in your relationship for the rest of the day. It's going to cause a rub, 
right? Mm -hmm. And the other one might actually be well-received and that person would say like, oh, you know what? Thanks for that. I never knew that. Right. And it makes you more approachable and relatable versus the other way makes you unapproachable and unrelatable, which I know what you're thinking right now. Well, if me being, if me having, if, if, if I have standards that are this high and that makes me unapproachable, then that means that's not my problem. That's not my problem. My standards are this high and that makes me unapproachable. That's not my problem. Not my problem. You're intimidated by me. <laughs> <laughs> right? Stop. Stop. All right? Chances are your 80% is probably better than most people's 100% as it is because you have a perfectionistic mindset. So right. speaking of that 80%, that is actually one of the tools we're going to give you guys. Um, so it's a good pivot point for us to talk about what to do about it. So we've we've laughed a little bit and we've talked a little bit serious about you know perfectionistic behaviors, um, but let's give you guys some tips on how we can help you change some of this so that you can lose some of the anxiety, the stress, so that you can be more approachable, more relatable, and still not feel like ah, my standards, okay? <laughs> so let's let's help you break some of this down a little bit. So let's start with the emotional side, yeah, right? Yeah, I think for most people, you know, you, you get stuck in this, like, I'm just like achievement oriented and have high standards and that's it, you know? Like, what else is there to it? There's a very big emotional component to perfectionism and it's the it's the reality that perfectionism is rooted in a wounded inner child, right? Oftentimes these are parental wounds, which are wounds that you got in your childhood through childhood trauma from your caregivers and or parents. That's what a parental wound is, right? And so what that does is it causes you to have a dysregulated nervous system um, with the inability to self-regulate your nervous system, right? And so oftentimes what that happens is, what happens is you actually grew up with a parent that was either a perfectionist or overly critical of you. Mm. And you had to be a certain way, meaning personality, and you had to behave a certain way, meaning actions, in order to get love, love acceptance, support, right? Um, appreciation from that parent. Yep. So ask yourself, who did you need to be or how did you need to be in order to satisfy whichever parent that was? Yeah. In, in order to satisfy that perfectionist or very critical parent, right? Who did yeah. you need to become? You know, and chances are that you needed to become somebody who, one, had no needs mm -hmm. and two, did everything right, meaning by that parent's standard all, right. all of the time. Right. Right. And what so, happens to, sorry, the, what I was going to say, what happens to in that place is that you perceive the parent who is critical as the stronger parent. And the parent who was loving and caring and accepting is the weaker parent. Usually that's how we perceive that. Yeah. Right. The one who's more stern and more critical of us is the stronger person. And the one who's loving and caring, right, is not the one we had to to vie for attention from because we got that. We got the loving and the nurturing. And it was then, easy to get. Right. So if you yeah. had a mom who was a lover and a nurturer, then it was easy for you to get that. So you perceive that as weaker than your father who was strict, stern, and a perfectionist who was critical of you. And now you perceive that as I didn't get enough love for my father because I wasn't perfect enough because I didn't meet their standard. So does there, I want mm -hmm. you guys to listen and hear that because that's how it comes comes into place is yeah. that is you're trying so hard to be perfect for the critical person because you believe them to be stronger and therefore you have to strive harder to be somebody you're not to get love mm -hmm. and feel self-worth. Yeah, which at the end of the day as a child, love equals survival, mm -hmm. right? So consider this to yourself, right? I'm sure a lot of people didn't expect us to hit this, you know, emotional aspect, but like you have to understand that perfectionism is actually a trauma response, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a virtue. What do you say when you talk to yourself and whose voice is that? Because chances are that that's actually not your voice, right? When you are being, when your inner dialogue is the most critical it could possibly be, whose voice is that? Right. Chances are it's your mom's or your dad's. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're you're telling yourself things that they said to you when you were growing up. And so this is part of the healing process associated with overcoming perfectionism. Right. It's a 
trauma response, and it's a learned slash habitual behaviors associated with a trauma response and an unhealthy pattern of thinking. Um, and it requires those, you know, this type of uh, response from you in order to get what you're needed emotionally from this particular parent or maybe both of them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, survival as a child. I think that's super important. So, you know, practice self-compassion, practice non-judgment. Those, pro- those are probably two things that you did not receive as a child. Now it's time for you to give that to yourself um, and redefine who you are, mm-hmm. meaning redefine your values and redefine your belief system, right? If your belief system is, I have to be perfect to be lovable, you will never be able to overcome this fixed mindset. Right, you'll never be lovable, is essentially what you just said. Exactly. Right? If I have to be perfect to be loved, I'm never going to be loved. That's what. That's the basis of that, right? But if you change that thought process to one of self-compassion, right? If mm-hmm. I take the time to love myself and understand that life is not perfect and I am not perfect, but I can then empathize with others who have also had the same um, failures, Mm -hmm. right? Then I can open myself up to more vulnerability. Yeah, you also realize that nobody around you really expects you to be perfect. And then as soon as you do that, you realize that you're placing that expectation on anyone else is completely unrealistic and unfair also, right? And when you really take that in at your core, like this becomes part of your value system and your beliefs, then you can change the way that you behave towards people, right? You don't have to be so controlling and demanding anymore. Yeah, and if you're emotionally a perfectionist, think about who you're handing that to if you're a parent, Mm, Yeah. right? Think about the level of stress that you feel internally and the voice that you hear telling yourself to do everything perfect, like Coach Oriana said, it's probably not your own voice, Mm -hmm. right? Think about, if you're showing that to your kids and they're gonna grow up the same way, believing that no matter what they do, they're not gonna be good enough for mom or dad's approval or love yeah. or worth. Like think about that. I'm a parent, right? And I am, I'm very strict on my, on my son because he's going to grow up and be a man one day and I want him to have values, but I don't want him to have my values. I want him to have his own values. I want him to have his own belief system that he can fall into and the only way I allow him to do that is to discover stuff on his own. And the way he discovers stuff is by fucking it up, mm-hmm. right? The yeah, more mistake, overcoming failures. Right? He makes a mistake, he learns how to overcome it, and then he can decide what those values are. Now, obviously, I'm going to guide him in certain ways, but I'm not going to make decisions for him. And I'm never going to make him feel that he has to be a certain way in order for me to love him, right? So you have to think about if you're a parent and you're a perfectionist, what is that telling your kids? Yeah, I mean, that's your relational legacy that you're passing on, right? Like that's the relational legacy that was passed on to me, you know? And then in my first marriage, what I did was not only did I become a perfectionist, but um, I married somebody who's would also hold me to standards so high that I needed to have no needs in order to be loved and accepted and to belong in that relationship, right? And the moment that I had needs, that was a problem. Um, And so realize like this relational legacy that you pass on to your kids or that you receive from your parents, if you don't heal this, you're going to pass it on to your legacy, right? To your children. That's at worst. At best, you're gonna continue to manifest the same cycle in your life over and over again, right? Just in these habitual patterns and it's gonna show up in every single relationship that you are, and you're always right. gonna to continue to experience the same relationship breakdowns associated with your perfectionism, mm-hmm. right? Because that's gonna keep getting mirrored back at you constantly in your relationships because uh, you need to be able to see it, see it in order to heal it, right? In order to do the work to address that childhood trauma, you need to be able to see it, right? So it shows up in every relationship, right? You can't be, you can't be in any type of trauma and expect that it will never show up, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is relationships are the place that trauma shows up, right? So either you see it, you address it and you heal it so that it can stop happening and you can break the cycle or you just keep having these experiences and receiving the payoff of making excuses and justifications for why you don't understand why things keep being this way and you've got a bad picker and everybody else is wrong and you're all right.
What about some tactical things? What are some everyday tactical advice or tactical pieces that people could use uh, that would help them get past their perfectionism? Yeah, once you've done the healing work, then um, you can start moving into some tactical uh, changes to overcome your perfectionism. And I would say, you know, like this is probably something that you're going to be moving through for many years of your life, you know, consistently. Um, but one thing you could do is you could break down your goal into smaller sequential steps and milestones and then actually do something to celebrate the milestones, right? And to acknowledge them, like do something for yourself to give to yourself or to give to others. Because part of the perfectionist tendency is like such like a myopic like view of the outcome that I can't even see the steps in between. I'm just fucking blowing through whatever it is I need to do, you know, right? Uh, like collateral damage. I don't care. Right. Get out of the way. Right. Because mm -hmm. that's where I'm going. So we don't want that anymore. We don't want that behavior. So what I what I coach people to do is to actually like break down like the next logical step, next logical step, next logical step, mm -hmm. milestones in between. And each time you get to one, um, you celebrate that and acknowledge it in some yeah. way. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say ce celebrate those wins, right, are a big thing. And a lot of people focus on the end game. I'm not going to be happy until I reach the end, and that's when I'll celebrate. In the meantime, we, like we mentioned earlier, we've drug ourselves through all the dirt and shit to get there versus really paying attention to certain points in your process, right? Can mm -hmm. I complete this point? And when I get there, let's have a little mini party, little go me, little go us, little go team, little go whatever, yep. right? And then we'll take that energy and momentum into the next minor step, right? Yeah. And then when we get to the end, we, we will have celebrated along the way and it made the process enjoyable rather than the process of drag through the dirt and the gravel and the mud and everything else to get to the end, Yeah. right? Yep. You can also decide in what areas you want to stretch a little bit more, maybe do something outside of your typical standards, mm -hmm. right? Um, and see how it goes, right? Like take a small risk and then assess the results, right? If you take that small risk and you then you look like, oh, I did something, you know, like I got it done, not to the completion standard I would have in the past, but I, it got done. And then you assess that and you're like, oh, that's actually not, that's not bad at all, right? Mm -hmm. You start to realize like you don't have to be at these like, incredibly high, I got to kill myself to get it standards in order to do things well. Right. Absolutely. And I, <laughs> this is a, a, a fun one for anybody stuck in this place. And that's don't be afraid to suck at something for a little while. Right. We seem to have forgotten that when we were kids learning to ride a bike that we busted our ass a few times before we were able to get on it and ride. And now as an adult, you can still hop on the bike and do the same thing and ride and you're not going to fall. 10 times figuring it out because you've learned and you've developed that muscle memory. But then you get to this adult perfectionist type of, of attitude and you forgot what it was like to suck at something and how much fun it actually is to work at growing inside of that to mm -hmm. get better. So be brave enough to suck at something for a little while, yeah. right? I tell a lot of people this, I'm like, go try something that you've always wanted to try, but you were afraid to because yeah. you were afraid people were gonna either laugh or make fun of you or something like that. So whether maybe that's golf, which golf will humble the most perfect people on the planet, I promise you, unless you're a perfect person playing the sport of golf, which I highly doubt because- and you've never played? No way. Yeah, you've probably, no, I'm saying if, if you're a perfectionist playing golf, I highly doubt you are because that game is such an up and down game. You can go shoot, you know, scratch one day and then hit 120 the next day. So it's, it's the crazy, Easiest, most technical game on the planet but go challenge yourself to do something that you've always thought about or considered doing but you've been afraid to because you're afraid that you're not going to be great at it the first time you do it yeah you don't right? want to feel silly or embarrassed right. you know for me um you know it, it was learning learning to dance you know learning ballroom dance learning latin dance and like like that i totally walked into it with that fear of like oh my gosh i'm gonna embarrass myself I'm going to look silly. I'm going to feel silly, you know, and, you know, you've got that hyper judgment on yourself and you think everybody else is judging you the same way that you're judging yourself, which is not true, you know, but if you can, like, if you can step into an experience like this, I tell people to like, think back to when you were a kid or a teenager, what's that thing you always wanted to do, right? I went and took dance lessons and I loved it. I loved it. And I felt all the feelings and all the frustration. I got pissed and I wanted to quit at one point, but I didn't. 
And that helped me overcome a lot as it relates to my perfectionism. I learned so much from that. Mm -hmm. And then um, also learning to shoot taught me a lot also, you know, like that I you could like that, letting yourself experience that growth trajectory in something else, something creative, something fun. Like if you're if you're a perfectionist, you probably aren't experiencing a lot of fun in your life. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Like you're just like you gotta stay in that box and color in the lines, you know? Like right. fuck the box, you know, forget about it and and do something different. Um and have a good time at it and just let yourself be with it. Let right. yourself be present with the thing you're doing and with the people that are in it with you. Right, and try to, in that in those moments, try to replace your frustration with some laughter. Yeah. Right, oh my God, I totally missed this golf ball and I fell to the ground. Everybody's laughing at me, let me laugh at me for once. Yeah. Right, and it's hard to do, I know some of you are like, oh my God, I could never, right? But it is the most liberating situation to be able to do that, to try something new and suck at it. Right. Yeah. And then it just becomes, then at that point it becomes fun. Let me try this and see how bad I am at that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you just, you go along with this and it helps break you away from this idea that you have to be on all the time. Right. Right. And that other people are looking at you and judging you. Other mm -hmm. people are self-interested. They don't give a crap what you're doing. Right. It's true. <laughs> you know, it's true. So we, we, you know, we want to present you with some reflections. I think the biggest reflection that you could ask yourself and kind of just let yourself sit in this is what I do with my clients, right? It's I literally ask them, what is the worst thing that could happen? If you tried that, right? If you tried that new sport, if you tried to dance, if you took a lesson, what's the worst thing that could happen, right? And usually the perfectionist is like, well, I'm going to end up, you know, I'll die or I'll end up homeless under a bridge. Right? It's like, oh, it's, it's so extreme. extreme right? It's like, it's funny. It's so extreme. But that's like their reality in that moment, right? Mm -hmm. And so you kind of, you know, walk back from that and let yourself realize like, you have a lot in between yourself and ending up homeless under a bridge. Right. Right. Or ending up, you know, with some kind of injury, you know, or life threatening situation because you tried something new creatively. Right. right? And ask like, what that what's that fun question? But did you die? But did you die? <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't want to go try golf, people are gonna laugh at me, but are you gonna die? Yeah, like, no. But did you die? Yeah. No. It's but it, it is it's very extremist in, in its presentation a lot of yeah. times, right? You gotta and you gotta take part of that nervous like take note, excuse me, of that nervous system response that you're having, right? Because if even just the idea of trying something new or taking a lesson in something or some creative class or something, if that sparks your nervous system, like pay attention to that, right? Mm -hmm. There's a reason for that. Like you're so fearful of failing that you actually feel it in your body. Like right. your body's having a response to that, right? Mm -hmm. that's, that's a sign of the dysregulated nervous system. Right. And then what would be the support system at that point, right? So reflect on what the support system is. So we, a lot of times with finances, right? Oh my God, if I try that and it fails that I'm going to end up broken living under a bridge, right? But are you, but are you like, yeah. so what is the safety net inside of that? Do you have, you know, plenty of money in your retirement that you just think you can't touch, you know, yeah. because, oh my God, I can't touch that. I use it for my retirement. But if you were going to end up poor under a bridge, would you use that money? Well, yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Do you have savings? Do you have credit cards? Right. Do you have retirement or investments? Do you have a family that you could go to or friends for financial support, right? Like, do you have things that you could access before you just get rid of everything and end up under a bridge homeless? Right. You know, 99.9% right. .9 of the time people are like, oh, yeah, of course I do. And I'm like, yes. Exactly. Right. So you got to <laughs> find. That's my point. Yeah, I got to find ways to mitigate the risk taking so that you can feel more comfortable, right, in taking risks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So and realize that you do have a safety net. Yeah. You know, the vast majority of people have some safety net. Now, do you want to use that safety net? Is it going to be comfortable or easy to ask for help? Probably no. not. But you have a safety net nonetheless. I don't care if you want to use it. I don't care if it would be you know, if it would feel bad to go ask for help, I don't care if you would be embarrassed, you have a safety net. Right, right. So we talked about some emotional changes. We talked about some tactical changes. Now let's talk about redefining your perfection standard. All right, we need to get, get rid of this, you know, performance standard equals perfection. Yeah, I mean, okay. if perfection is not your measuring stick for your personal performance, then what is? Right. Right. And I think that it's important to make note, right, that there's some standards of performance that if you're trying to overcome perfectionism, you're not going to be able to jump into certain other standards of performance because 
they're going to be, those standards are going to be so low that you're like, oh no, hell no, I'm staying where I'm at. Right. right? Which is like good enough, right? Like if you're struggling with perfectionism and somebody's like, just get it to be good enough and then send it in, you're going right. to be like, no, right? Yep. Everything inside of you is going to resist that, right? Right. Quick and dirty, right? <laughs> a friend of mine was like, I just do it quick and dirty and move it on. And I'm like, what? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> Like, what does that even mean, right? Like, right away, I'm like, I don't, I can't do that, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like stuck in that, you know, like, it's just too big of a jump, right? Too right. big of a jump for some people. Um, so those are not the standards that you're going to feel comfortable with if you're overcoming perfectionism. But there are some that you could get aligned with if you really have the intention of overcoming perfectionism, Right. One of them's called the 80% done rule. You want right. to talk about that? Yeah. So the I'll, I'll use an example here. So I was on a call with a, in, an international group recently of, of physicians, and um, they have a product that they want to take to market, uh, particularly to service the, the U.S. demographic in healthcare. And the problem is, is that the current product they have is not in English. And so they want to reconstruct this whole product so that they can market it and push it out. And I said, okay, well, what kind of time frame are we looking at to just have something done that we could take a peek at and maybe get a small sample size of people to get some feedback? Oh, well, to get it up to the standard that we have, it's gonna be at least six to eight months. And I went, huh? I'm talking about just putting something together that you can get feedback on and then go make your adjustments. I'm not talking about something perfect. I'm talking about offering something at a low cost to no cost to a small sample size of people that I can handpick for you to give you reasonable feedback so then you can adjust and go from there. And they were like looking at me like I had six heads <laughs> because what I asked them to do was not produce perfection. Yeah. I asked them to produce just less than perfection which is clearly not the standard in their organization, right. which is why they pushed back right. on you. Which is great, yeah. but all the business people in the room were like, we're not waiting six months. Yeah. All the biz, all the the C level, the C suite level individuals and, and people like myself who are having this conversation, I'm like I wanna see it. And that way we have an idea before you spend all of this time, and we talked about time and effort, you're gonna spend Money. all of this time creating something that then is going to get bashed or not right. meet the standards or people are going to have different suggestions and you have to go spend more time recreating it. Or in that time frame, the needs of the market change. change. And right. so you totally missed the mark because you were so focused on like getting this thing done and taking eight months to do it. Exactly. So the 80% rule would say when it's 80% done, it's fucking done. Roll it out. Roll it out. Yeah. Right. Get some feedback on it. It makes your life so much easier. Right. 80% yeah. finished. Get that bitch out there. Let people look at it. Give you some feedback. Get it back. Make the adjustments and go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if this is if this is you perfectionist at home, right, like get your home 80 percent there, right? 80% of the way you get it recognized like your 80 percent as a perfectionist is probably most people's like 30. <laughs> Like 40%. <laughs> way more than other people's, right. stand, you know, 80%, right? right. So get it 80% of your standard. It's still pretty damn high, mm -hmm. right? Get it 80% done. Accept the way your, you know, kids have cleaned their rooms, send them to clean their room. They get it 80% done. Let's move it. Keep it rolling, right? right? Life keeps moving. Mm -hmm. The other standard is a standard of excellence, right? This is another measuring stick that I want to offer you guys. And you, know, if you might be thinking, well, how is excellence different than perfection? big difference is that inherent in the definition of excellence is action. Action. Action is not embedded in the definition of perfection. Right. Procrastination is. Procrastination though. is. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> of a uh, fearful nervous system is, right? But if I have a standard of excellence, you can hear there, like, in order for me to create anything with excellence, I actually have to create it. I actually have to take some action. I have to be, mm -hmm. there has to be some movement and I have to take a risk that I might not hit the mark, right? That's why it's a better standard than perfection because you gotta take action to be in excellence with anything. Right, yeah. And then you have, you have a couple more of these. Um, you have this absolute performance standard, which takes into account your progress over your perfection, right? So um, the the highest level achievers in the in the world know it's not how much you can get done; it's what specifically you can get 
accomplished, right? What progress you can make over time on certain um, aspects of a project or of your business, right? So it's progress related. Are we moving towards the goal? Are we measuring out our, our on regular? I talk a lot about using Scrum as a way to measure performance and align your habits and align your schedule so everybody's on the same page, right? Mm -hmm. Progress over perfection. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, writing the first draft of a book. Right. Most people never write the first draft of their book because they they think that that first draft has to be perfect, that the first draft is the final draft, right? You got to get it out of yourself, right? Like you're just making progress. You're just putting words on paper. You're just writing the book. It can be improved and it will be improved later on in the editing process. But get it out of yourself, 80% done, roll it forward, right? You can see how you can combine these different standards of performance. Right. And gosh, like it, it's going to start feeling so much better, right? Like you're going to relieve that pressure in your nervous system right away when you realize like I can measure my performance based on another standard besides perfection, right? You feel that release from all of that pressure that you're placing on yourself and you still have a measuring stick, right? So it's not like you're out there like just randomly doing shit when, and don't have any measure for how you're doing because the measure is important for perfectionists, right? Mm -hmm. they, they need to see that they're getting closer to their goal in order to want to make the effort. Um, and the other one is uh, an effectiveness or an outcome measure, right? Which mm -hmm. is like where you're really looking at the quality of your work. Like you might be working slow, but the focus is on quality, right? And if my focus is on quality, again, like action is inherent in creating anything that is a high quality product, right? right? So yeah. start writing the book, start painting, start, you know, learning your, your craft and start focusing on like, this is what I did to improve the quality of what I'm doing today. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you're if you're tired of your self-inflicted stress <laughs> that you've been handing yourself and your anxiety and your your performance standard being uh, perfection, um, hopefully this episode gave you some great tips and and made you see some some realizations that will lead you to making some changes. Overall, uh, making just a few subtle adjustments can help you find more happiness and joy and less stress on a regular basis. Not just for yourself. But for those around you who are also suffering because they don't feel like they live up to your standard. Right. 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 So and if you would love to uh, connect with us more and take part in more conversations like this, we invite you to text edgy to three three seven 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 and you'll get a link to our private Facebook community. You can come in and join us. We do lives on a weekly basis. We publish blogs and you'll have mm -hmm. your first access to new content and new um, new um What's the word I'm looking for, coach? <laughs> new uh, new abilities to connect with us or new uh, courses or things like that that we might drop out for you guys to take part in. You'll have first access to those. So thank you guys for listening and we'll see you guys in a couple weeks for another episode of The Edgy Entrepreneur. Stay edgy.